This is Exposing Washington with Walker Wildman, bringing clarity to Washington, D.C. news. We see corruption at every level in Washington. Exposing the deception plaguing our nation's capital. Not only what he told every Republican senator, but what he told the press over and over and over again was a simple lie. And helping Christians stay informed about government. This puts a bigger burden on voters to go figure out what's actually going on. This is Exposing Washington with Walker Wildman on American Family Radio. What should President Trump do now that Democrats control the House of Representatives? That's what we'll be discussing on the show today. Welcome to Exposing Washington. The network is American Family Radio, and I am your host, as I am each week. My name is Walker Wildman. Great to be with you. AFR.net, that's the website, AFR.net to listen to the podcast, find out more about the show, and you can you can catch many of the shows on American Family Radio. You can catch them at our website, AFR.net. Also, the show is on Facebook and YouTube. On Facebook, just type in my name, Walker Wildman on Facebook. On YouTube, type in Exposing Washington on YouTube. And, of course, all of these links and connections and social media links They're all on the podcast page at AFR.net. Just go to Exposing Washington podcast page at AFR.net. But the midterms are gone. They've passed us. And some interesting results. That's what we're going to talk about today. And this the, the, the results honestly didn't surprise me. And I don't think they really surprised many of us. I mean, this is... We, some of us might have been a little more optimistic that Republicans would keep the House, but nonetheless, many of the polls, virtually all the polls, said that Democrats would take the House, and they did. Now, I will, I will note that Democrats didn't take the House like everybody said they would. All the pollsters said uh, the Democrats will take the House by 50 or 60 seats. Mm, no, we're going to talk about it, but they took the House by about 5 to 10 seats. So not the blue wave that everyone talked about. Maybe, at best, a blue ripple. The To break down the numbers and to keep it simple here, it looks like the Democrats will hold the House, or will take over the House, by anywhere from 5 to 10 seats. From anywhere from 5 to 10 seats, that's how... Uh, much the Democrats will take the House. That's the number that they'll take the House by. And and that puts them at winning. They roughly took over 30 seats that were Republican seats. Now, moving to the Senate, it looks like I'm, I'm predicting that in the next few days, when all these totals are in and everything, that that America will have 54 Republican senators and, of course, 46 Democrat senators. And so that would put that would put Republicans holding 54 seats, basically picking up three seats in the Senate, not to mention they lost one, so that's why they would only pick up three. But overall, Republicans did great in the Senate. Democrats did pretty good in the House. That's just the facts. Moving on, though, more into the details of this. 
to start, I don't think that this is the end of the world. You know, at times when when the opposing party that conservatives don't like, when they take over control, you know, we say it's doom and gloom, you know, our country's over. That's not that's not my view here. I think this is a for conservatives. This is a setback. But it's not the end all be all. I mean, after all, and we'll talk about this a little more later. After all, Congress really wasn't doing anything anyways. Republicans in Congress weren't doing anything to begin with. And so that's why that's one of the factors that and one of the reasons I think that Republicans could not maintain the House is because they weren't really doing much. Not much of a reason to vote for Republicans in the House. But to be more specific here and to break this down a little bit, here's the context leading into the midterms this past Tuesday. Here was, here was the context that we were in as a country. Republicans obviously had the odds stacked against them. Historically, the president's party always loses seats during midterm elections. Virtually every time. The majority party or the president's party, they always lose seats in the midterm elections. This was no different for the House, that is. And so this was pretty much predictable. If Republicans would have kept the House, it would have been historic. But moving on here, Republicans had a historic 41 retirements in the House. 41 retirements in the House. I think that played a factor in them losing the House. And you might ask the question, why this many retirements? Well, I can't say for everyone, but for some of them, the Republicans retired because their chairmanship was up. What does that mean? That means the Republicans in Congress have a rule in the House that Republicans can only hold a chairmanship for six years. Well, what happens after the six years? And by the way, I think that's a good rule. But what happens after six years? The chairman are then rotate off the chairmanship and then they then then they ask themselves do I really want to be in Washington if I'm not going to be able to be a chairman and have this much power many of them say no and they retire and so that proves to us that much of this is about pure power it's not all about serving our country and the republican chairman who, who their six-year chairmanship term was up, they retired because they didn't have the same powerful position that they once had. I think that's indicative of the problem going on in Washington, or the problems, plural, going on in Washington. But moving on here, on the same line, as far as why Republicans lost the House, amongst many reasons... This is clip one. Representative Jim Jordan of Ohio, he kind of delves in a little bit here on why he thinks Republicans lost the House. Let's listen. Look, I think um, in 2016, the American people elected Republicans to come here and change this town. I think the president is doing just that. 
but I don't think they see the same intensity from uh, folks in, in Congress, folks in the House of Representatives. I mean, have we replaced Obamacare yet? Have we secured the border yet? Have we reformed welfare yet? No, we haven't. Now, again, the president's got a lot of things done, and we've helped with some of that, certainly, the regulation reform and the tax cuts. But some of those other big promises we made the American people, we did not get done. And they're not seeing the intensity to get those things done that I think we told them we were going to have. So uh, that's what this is about. The, the minority leader is all about getting us back in the majority so we can accomplish for the American people what they elected us to do. Congressman McCarthy has been lacking in some of these areas. Is there a way that you would approach this differently? I think you, I think you have to actually have the debate and have the fight. I think all too often we were willing to not even engage in the debate. Take some of the big spending issues. Take the, the big omnibus bill back in the spring where we actually funded things we said we wouldn't, didn't fund things we said we would, like the border security wall, when we were poised to win that battle, uh, particularly in light of the fact that just a few weeks before that big fight, Chuck Schumer had shut down the government, and then he reopened it because the American people said, that's crazy. We were in a good position to win, but we didn't even engage in the debate. Um, that's what's got to change. And now that we're in minority, that's about all we can do is debate, but fight hard in the debate for the principles, for the things that we know the American people sent us here to do in 2016, show them that we deserve to be back in power in 2020. All right. Well, there you have it. Jim Jordan is correct there on many different points, but the main point that I agree with, with representative Jim Jordan of Ohio, which I think would make a great speaker or minority leader, not speaker of the house, obviously minority leader but nonetheless jim jordan there says basically we didn't do what we said we would do and thus the republican voter turnout was depressed because we promise 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 then we take power and we do nothing and we do nothing so i think he's on to something there something there but my point in all of this is that the the congress the house i'm talking about has virtually made itself irrelevant. How can I say that? Because they don't do anything of significance. How can I say that? Here's what the House does. The Senate is a different animal. The Senate confirms judges. The Senate confirms President Trump's executive branch picks. But the House, they pass a budget every few months, which is a whole different problem we've talked about before. The House passes budgets, and okay, they pass little bipartisan bills. Let's put flowers on the side of the highway over here. You know, let's, let's pump some money over here. But nothing that they promise, nothing that they campaign on, are they getting done. And so the American people, conservatives, conservative voters, ask themselves, why would I work hard, throw money at campaigns for the House when they get up there and they don't do anything? And so I think that is a factor into why one reason, probably of many, why the Republicans lost the House. And I will note that the Senate played a role in, in blocking President Trump's legislative agenda. They played a role in preventing the House from passing meaningful, meaningful legislation. And so I think it has shared responsibility. But nonetheless, this was a blown opportunity, to say the least, on behalf of the House Republicans. I think they could have won this past Tuesday. Had they, one, not had as many retirements, had they, two, not done nothing, 
Had they actually gotten things done, I think they could have won the House. But all of this being said, I'm not going to be like the Democrats. I accept the, ele- the election results from Tuesday, and Republicans now need to move on and do what they can to take back power in the House so they can do what they said they would do. That's what they need to focus on moving forward. But I wish the Democrats and the media would take a note from my playbook because the Democrats and the media are still up in arms about the results of the 2016 election. President Trump hinted at one other reason of many, as I'm mentioning, that Republicans, some, lost on Tuesday. This is clip two, a rather lengthy clip, about a minute and a half, but nonetheless, let's listen. I'm not sure that I should be happy or sad, but I feel just fine about it. Carlos Cubella, Mike Kaufman, too bad, Mike, Mia Love, I saw Mia Love. She'd call me all the time to help her with a hostage situation. Being held hostage in Venezuela. Uh, But Mia Love gave me no love. And she lost. Too bad. Sorry about that, Mia. And Barbara Comstock was another one. I mean, I think she could have won that race, but she didn't want to have any Embrace. For that, I don't blame her. But she, um, she lost, substantially lost. Uh, Peter Roskam didn't want the embrace. Eric Paulson didn't want the embrace. And in New Jersey, I think he could have done well, but didn't work out too good. Bob Eugen, I feel badly, because I think that's something that could have been won. That's a race that could have been won. John Faso, those are some of the people that, you know, decided for their own reason not to embrace uh, whether it's me or what we stand for. But what we stand for uh, meant a lot to most people. And we've had tremendous support. All right. Well, there you have it. That's President Trump. He's going through a list there at a press conference this past week. He's going through a list of Republicans who didn't want President Trump or his surrogates to come campaign for him or for them. They basically rejected President Trump's offer to come campaign for them. And many of them thought, well, you know, if I just keep President Trump at an arm's distance or at an arm's length, that, you know, I'll be able to win my district. Because after all, if President Trump comes in here, then then I might turn off some voters. But actually, it's the exact opposite. For the establishment Republicans who think that being mushy-mushy and being lukewarm works, you're wrong. The American people want you to pick a side. Either you're for our constitutional republic, for our founding fathers' principles, or you're not. It's time to pick a side and stop being lukewarm. And my last point here, and I'm talking to the establishment Republicans, the rhinos, the Republicans in name only, you can't win every election by simply talking about how bad the other guys are. At some point, you have to govern. And Donald Trump, the president, is governing, and that's why he's winning, and that's why his top Senate picks are 
one handily on Tuesday. On to the next subject, and there's not much information out other than this at this point, but Attorney General Jeff Sessions, as of Wednesday afternoon, submitted his resignation. I think Jeff Sessions is a fine man. He did a good job at the Department of Justice. I wish he wouldn't have recused himself from the Russia probe. But beyond that flaw, he did a great job at the Department of Justice. So Attorney General Jeff Sessions is out at the Department of Justice. He has turned in his, he has submitted his letter of resignation and Jeff Sessions, chief of staff at the DOJ, will take over as the attorney general until President Trump can have someone named and nom- someone nominated and confirmed through the Senate. So we'll keep an eye on that. I'm sure we'll talk more next week on the show about what that means, who might be taking Jeff Sessions' spot, on and on and on it goes. But just hours after the midterm election, the media went hostile once again at the White House. They came in talking about how President Trump needs to tone it down. He needs to tone down his rhetoric. And then they poke at President Trump, wanting a reaction, wanting a fight. And we're going to play this clip here. I might cut it off a little early. We'll just see. But this is President Trump trying to play nice with the reporters, and then Jim Acosta from CNN steps in, and thankfully President Trump starts fighting back. This is clip three, Trump versus Jim Acosta. Let's listen. One of the statements that you made in the tail end of the campaign uh, in, in the midterms. That here, this, here we go. That, well, if Let's you don't go. mind, Let's Mr. Go. President, Come on. that this caravan was an invasion. As you know, yeah, Mr. I, President, I consider it to be an invasion. As you know, Mr. President, the caravan was not an invasion. It's, a, it's a, a group of migrants moving up from Central America towards the border with the U.S. Thank you for telling and me that. I why, why, did you, why did you characterize it as such? Uh, because and, I consider it an invasion. You and I have a difference of opinion. But do you All right, I want to stop that right there, Brent. And, and the, the problem here to begin with, and then I'm going to continue playing, but the problem to begin with is the reporter, the journalist, is having a debate on whether President Trump is correct or not. That is not their job. Their job is to ask questions, and yes, they can ask tough questions, But debating the president of the United States on something that y'all disagree on, that's not the proper place. That's not their job. So so Jim Acosta immediately says, I want to correct you on something, Mr. President. Well, Jim Acosta, it's not your job. And nobody cares what you think. Ask the questions and move on. All right, let's keep listening. In this election, no, to try to I want keep them, I want them to come into the country, but they have to come in legally. You know, they have to come in, Jim, through a process. I want it to be a process, and I want people to come in, and we need right. the people. You your know, campaign, wait, your campaign. Wait, wait, you know why we need the people, don't you? Because we have hundreds of companies moving in. We need the people. Right. Your campaign had an ad showing migrants climbing over walls and well, so on. Well, that's true. It poured, it, but they it, weren't it, actors. They're not going to be doing they that. They weren't actors. Well, no, it's true. Do you think they were actors? They weren't actors. They didn't come from Hollywood. These were, these were people, this was an actual, you know, it happened a few days ago, 
And, uh, they're hundreds of miles away, though. They're hundreds and hundreds of miles you know away. That, that's I not an invasion. Should, honestly, uh, I think you should let me run the country. You run CNN. <laughs> All right. And if you did it well, your ratings well, let me would be ask, much better. If I, if I may okay, ask one enough. other question, Mr. President, if I may, if I may Peter, ask one other question, are you worried? Of, that's enough. That's Mr. enough. Mr. President, I, well, that's I was enough. going to ask one of the, the other folks. That's had, enough. Pardon me, ma'am. I'm, I'm, Mr. Excuse President, me. That's enough. Mr. President, I had one other Peter, question, if I may ask, on the Russia investigation. Are you concerned that... That you may have I'm not concerned about anything with you the Russian investigation because it's a hoax. Are you, That's enough. Put down the mic. Mr. President, are you worried about indictments coming down in this investigation? So they, there you have it. We'll, we'll just end it right there. But that goes on. That goes on for another 15 or 30 seconds where Jim Acosta will not can't give up the mic. He will not give up his mic. And the way this works at the White House is the press secretary and her staff they go around the room and they hand reporters a microphone. You ask the question or two questions. Then when your time is up and, pre and the president says, all right, let's move on, you hand your microphone back to the White House staff. Well, I'll post the video on our podcast page at AFR.net. But Jim Acosta is fighting off the White House staff member, who is a young lady. So Jim Acosta... CNN reporter, or CNN, CNN reporter, I'll, I'll try to avoid any other names, but Jim Acosta is physically fighting off a white, white House female staffer and holding on to the microphone. I mean, this is unbelievable behavior brought to you by the Clinton News Network. And so uh, the, this... The, Jim Acosta should have been thrown out by the Secret Service immediately. President Trump, or the Chief of Staff John Kelly, should have said, Secret Service, Jim Acosta's out of here. And CNN, if they want a correspondent in here in the White House, they can find somebody else. Because Acosta from CNN is not welcome back. That's what the White House needs to do. I don't know why the White House, and this is not President Trump's fault, it's the chief of staff's fault and the press secretary. I don't know why we think we have to let all these hostile propaganda reporters in the White House. They don't have a constitutional right to be in the White House. As a matter of fact, the White House can say, you know what? All the media members, all the press corps, they're out of here. They're all out of here, and we're not going to have daily briefings anymore. If you want to come in here and you want to abuse your press privileges, then you're out. Everybody's out. But for some reason, the White House keeps putting up with this nonsense. And at a minimum, at a minimum, if the White House correspondents act a fool, they're out. That should be the rule. They're out. Maybe somebody at the White House needs to hire me. I'll be the media watchdog. I'll just go around throwing people out. And now I don't think you need to punish media outlets who are there acting responsibly. Maybe you should let them stay. But the rest of them, they're out. But for some reason, the White House continues letting the Clinton News Network and all the other fake news come in there, badger President Trump, talk over the President of the United States, continually interrupt him, and physically fight off White House staffers. This is out of hand, 
and the White House needs to get control of it, maybe they'll take my advice and Jim Acosta should be out of there. But we'll see. We'll stay tuned to that and see where that goes. But moving on here, the last subject I want to talk about real quick. This is clip four. I'm going to go ahead and play this clip four. This is a former Clinton advisor by the name of Mark Penn on what the Democrats might do in the House. Let's listen. I doubt this White House is going to see more investigations because they've been through the most intensive investigation in history with the Mueller investigation where virtually everybody was put under a spotlight. I think the real thing is Democrats may go after some of Trump's business enterprises, but on the other hand, they've got the Mueller report waiting. So since they probably should wait for that report, and that's the big kahuna of investigations, but really on the other side, Trump now can appoint a new attorney general who might appoint a second independent counsel, and so subpoenas could fly here Looking in every direction. Deputy, yeah, deputy, to investigate the investigator. All right, well, there you have it. That's a Democrat, uh, a former Democrat Clinton advisor by the name of Mark Penn. And if you caught what he said there, he was asked the questions by the Fox News host there. You know, what do you think the Democrats are going to do with the takeover of the House? You think they're going to harass President Trump? And he basically says, and I'm paraphrasing here, I'm interpreting for you, but the Democrat there just said, basically, the Democrats have taken, they've done all they can. They've pulled out all they could. They've investigated everything, and they've come up with nothing. He even said the Russia investigation, he said they've, they've tried the Russia investigation, and it hadn't worked. And so I find that very ironic and humorous that even Democrats are saying, we've tried everything. We've investigated everything, and nothing has worked, and nothing has stuck. That's from the Democrats themselves. But here's what we can hope for in the next two years. Here's what we can hope for in the next two years. When I say we, I'm talking about conservatives. I'm talking about Christians who think like I do on the issues of our day. Here's what conservatives can hope for in the next two years. The Senate first must continue confirming constitutional judges. The Senate, let me say it again, the Senate must continue at a fast pace, at a fast pace, confirming constitutional judges. Also, they must continue confirming President Trump's executive branch appointments. We need them confirmed in an, exp in an expedited manner. Moving on. Trump and the Senate, President Trump and the U.S. Senate, they must not approve of or sign off on bad legislation. And mark my word for it, Nancy Pelosi might be talking nice now, but you wait till next week. The gloves are coming off. This is not going to be nice. The Democrats are going to do everything they can to bring down President Trump. I believe articles of impeachment will be brought up in the House of Representatives by the Democrats. Just a matter of time. Who are we kidding here? It's the same old Democrats. They're nasty. They have no morals. They have no ethics. They will do anything they can to destroy good people, including President Trump. That's why conservatives, that's why Republicans must stand behind President Trump. Exposing Washington American Family Radio. We'll be back this time next week.
The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.